Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I'm your host, Josh Scar, and joining me is a very special guest, someone who hasn't been on in a while, uh, longtime friend, longtime friend of the show, John. John, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, buddy? Uh, I can't complain. I, my, my leg injury is healing and I can sit a little better. Um, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that that leg is, is getting fixed up. <laughs> yep. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling up to sitting completely upright, which is why I don't have my usual podcasting chair. So if there's uh, extra like popping and creaking, it's my chair. I promise not like my my body or anything it's like not, that not your joints exploding <laughs> exactly uh so uh john you have seen into the spider or not into I've, everyone has seen into the spider verse you you have seen it across the spider verse correct yes i have all right well we have our first talking smack listener email which is actually more of a discord message but i'm going to call it a listener email uh from dalton uh he reached out to us from the game club pod discord and uh he says First off, want to say the review for Spider-Verse movie was really good. Like y'all's takes on it. <laughs> Sorry, the y'all threw me off. Like y'all's takes on it, and it's very interesting. Secondly, I would just want your opinion. Do you think that in order for Across the Spider-Verse to hit that $1 billion box office mark, they're going to re-release it a week or two before the next movie comes out so that that way it generates more hype and income for the second movie, which that's something Alex and I didn't discuss in our review episode is the possibility of a re-release to hit that billion dollar marker. I think it'll probably come closer to like 750 or $800 million, which I think is still a really good box office take for that movie. Yeah. I mean, I I would agree. I think it probably, I mean, the first one's always going to score a lot higher because I mean, it was such an amazing concept when it came out, but I feel like the second one didn't get as much. I, I didn't see as many trailers for this one as I did for the other one. And you're a little older and I know you're a little more disconnected uh, for the movie we saw this week. You you had no idea what any of these trailers were. So maybe maybe it's more just you than it was anything else. But uh, this one has already surpassed, uh, from my understanding, it surpassed the box office take for the first movie. Oh, wow. Uh, the first movie didn't. You, I was surprised. It only took. It didn't even take in four hundred million globally. Really, it was a great. It was great. It was a streaming and home release hit. Like it, it got word of mouth, and people started watching it in other places. This one, obviously, there's hype around it because more people are familiar with Miles Morales now. Between uh, him having his own solo video game appearing in the Spider-Man game, and now he's going to be teaming up in Spider-Man Two plus into the Spider Verse. Miles is everywhere now, so there, there's more hype around it. I think it'll come close to that billion dollar mark. I don't think I would almost guarantee that they will re-release across the Spider-Verse like a month or two before uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out just to get a little extra box office money. Uh, I mean, they released uh, Morbius twice in theaters. Oh. Why the hell wouldn't they release a good movie in theaters oh. twice Morbius. when it's actually getting a sequel? That movie was unwatchable. I, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I, I refuse to. Even as a joke, uh, my little brothers really wanted to see it. I went over to their house and they're like, we have to watch this. It looks so good. And I was like, I watched, <laughs> I watched the trailers. You, you have failed as a big brother. If they think that looked good. Hey, I, I do my best. I've got seven siblings. All right. Some of them slip through the cracks. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> but I, I was like, guys, I watched the trailer and even the trailer looked bad. 
And they're like, no, 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 it's going to be great. And we watched it. And I was like, I think I'd rather have a, a lemon juice and broken glass enema than watch that movie ever again. <laughs> it was so bad. The only way I will watch that is if someone pays me, I'll do it for a Patreon, maybe as like a movie commentary, oh. but that's as close as you're going to get me to, to watching that movie. It was so bad. All right. Well, Dalton, thank you so much for that email. Uh, hopefully you can send us more thoughts. And if you have any other listeners have thoughts, you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com, or you can join our discord, which the link is in the episode description. But this week, John and I are here to talk about Transformers Rise of the Beasts. But before we do that, we're going to hear from our friend Caesar over at the No on 15 Allcast. So, what's our show about? It's about some dudes talking about movies, just like this. With Goofy screaming with them. So, so, like, so you're talking that they should have replaced it like with a Tom and Jerry scream or something like that? <laughs> or you might hear something like this. Oh just, my gosh. That whole movie waiting to see what happens with Blanca is like the most aggravating thing in that film. <laughs> but for the most part, we talk movies from the 80s, 90s, and today. And if you grace us with your ear time, you might hear one of these 30-second gems like this. Yeah, I was going to say, I did not get a chance to watch this one this week. <laughs> give it to him anyways. Let's Let's go. Go. We're going to give it to you right anyway. I'm going to give you the 30-second review of uh, Tron Uprising. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Start the clock. And then... So give us a shot and listen to the Noah 15 Allcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. No! All right, and you will be hearing from Caesar on this very podcast in a few weeks when we review Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I I, I really don't want to review it, but we kind of have to. It's tradition to review these awful 20 years later sequels. I It's just, to me, I get so excited because it's Indiana Jones, but I'm also like, the guy is... He's like 80 years old in his mid eighties. Yeah. Don't, don't make him swing from the whip again. He's so old. <laughs> I mean, I'm still salty about that, that, uh, like 30th anniversary DVD coaster. They, they released in 2000. Was it 2007, 2008? Oh, we were babies. Yeah, I know. I, I remember our buddy hearts. I, I have two stories about friends dragging me to movies. I didn't want to see our buddy hearts dragged me to Indiana Jones four. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, King Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's the one. That's what it was. Um, I you you go into it having high hopes because even back in two thousand seven, you got you hope and trust the director. That, and Steven Spielberg was like, "We're only using CGI when necessary." And the very first thing you see in that fucking movie is a CGI gopher. Yep. In the desert. To- totally so- unnecessary. Didn't totally, totally necessary. Not, not in any way related to the story at all. It, it didn't add to the scene. <laughs> it was just a random fake gopher, just like oh shit, Nazis or communists. Sorry. Yeah, Russians or something. Soviets, but, whatever. Uh, yeah, another movie that I, I have not seen since theaters. And unless you're paying me for a Patreon, I'm not watching it. I'm, I'm ashamed to say, as one of those movies that I have such hopes in that I actually watched it a second time at a later date. So I was like, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. 
and no, uh, it, no, it definitely was. No, it was. Yeah. <sighs> so, John, I don't know if you realize this, but the reason I asked you to come on for this episode is because way back in, I don't even know what year it would have been, probably like 2010, 2009. You, I think you had just come back from deployment and you were like, dude, we got to go see this new Transformers movie. We got to go. We got to go as a group. We got to all my friends. We got to hang out. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to see this movie. The last one was shit. I'm not going. And then you're like, I'm buying your ticket and you're going. So I went and I, I have the most vivid memory of you looking over at me with just the biggest smile on your face and me turning to you with a thumbs down going. <laughs> you're like, what? No way. It was awesome. That no, that was not a good movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, once you take Megan Fox out of the equation, what are we, what are we even watching anymore? Guys? What, what's a the- Victoria's secret uh, ad promo? I mean, Listen. that's that's who Michael Bay got to replace her was a Victoria's Secret model from his Victoria's Secret commercial. I thought it was Megan Fox's superior acting that drew me <laughs> to the first movies. Uh, I mean, we're already going on a tangent that that Expendables four trailer. Like, don't oh. even get me started on. Do not even get me started on the fact that it's an Expendables four. But the fact that they have Megan Fox and Jason Statham in some kind of romantic relationship, like that's gross. Like he's in his fifties. She's probably in her early thirties for Hollywood. That's not entirely unreasonable, but it's still gross. It's, it's pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, I, it's listen, they keep making these expendables movies. They keep messing around. One of those guys is going to break a hip and they're going to feel real silly about it. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I did drag you to that movie. I, I'd like to think my tastes have evolved since then. Uh, I don't. Like you said, we were babies. We, were, we didn't know yeah. better. Two th- it was 2011 because I just I just looked up when that movie was released. So yeah, I had just gotten okay. back from the desert. And uh, let me just say that my taste might have gone downhill from six months of watching crappy movies on repeat <laughs> and and staring off into the into the the desert for long periods. The of time. endless desert. Yeah. The sandstorms, it, it just, it, they got into my brain and wrecked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Military just playing sandstorm on repeat all day long. Oh my right? God. It was awful. Just, <laughs> that was basically my whole career. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I like to think this one was at least better than that I, one. I took you to a good one. <laughs> or at least uh, at least a better one it was a better one <laughs> that's it's like comparing shots like <laughs> like well it's not it's not as bad as a tetanus shot but it it wasn't it was still a shot so we we went and saw transformers rise of the beasts before we really dive into this i looked this up earlier and i just need to see where oh geez it's gone down <laughs> okay so there have been seven live action Transformers movies since it debuted in 2007. Where do you think this one falls on the Rotten Tomatoes critic score? Well, as far as like one, to, one to seven, I don't, I don't need you to guess like 90%, 60%. Where do you think at one to seven, this falls on the critic scale? I've only seen three of them, but I'm going to say this one is probably what one's the best or seven's the best. Uh, one, we'll say one is the best. Okay. So I'm going to say this is number two. Okay. What if I told you it's 52% at 
as far as critics score goes. Four? Three? It is number three oh. of seven. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, which one? I'd say one might beat it. One was pretty good. I'm going to go seven to one. Number number seven, the worst review critic review score on Rotten Tomatoes is 2017's Transformers: The Last Night. That's before they decided to reboot with Bumblebee. The second worst rated one is the fourth one, Transformers: Age of Extinction, at 18. percent Oh. Third worst is Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. That's the Writer's Strike Edition one with the the uh, Destructor with the testicles. Mm. Classic. And that one's at 20. 20- 20%. Fourth worst is Transformers Dark of the Moon. That's the first uh that's the last one. That's the one you and I saw. You dragged me to. That one's at 35%. And then this one, Rise of the Beasts, is third worst or third best at uh 52% right now. Okay. It could fall another 17% and still be the third best one as far as its score goes. That's not shocking. I mean, I was kind of well, as far as this this one goes, people are like, well, I had some people ask me what I thought of it. And I, I was like, listen, I paid I paid 20 bucks to go watch two hours of robots punching each other in the face. I got what I paid for. <laughs> the second best one is Transformers 2007, the very first one at 57 percent. And then Bumblebee. Bumblebee at number one at 91 percent. See, I didn't even consider Bumblebee. I haven't seen. Well, first of all, I haven't seen bumblebee or the last watch the first five minutes that's all you really need it's it's a great like five minutes uh saturday morning cartoon short it, it's fantastic perfect but I, I i think to kind of give away my rating here i think 52 percent is a little low for this one i think yeah. a 60 to like 65 percent is probably more accurate i'd say 65 70 it's still passing you're not you know you're not gonna gonna be top of the class but you're you're, you're gonna get out of there yeah, and uh, to to kind of just dive into non spoilers first, I think part of what this this edition of Transformers is missing, they keep not having great human interactions. Like this one is trying to get really cheap engagement from audiences because our main character uh, Noah has a little brother with sickle cell leukemia. His family can't afford to pay his hospital bill, so they can't get him treatment that he needs. And he's trying to figure out a way to make money. And that that's kind of his arc. And then there's also uh, a woman protagonist, Elena, who... They don't give you any backstory on her? There's like nothing to her. Her, her dad's dead and she she gets to... She sings songs when she's anxious and she's smart and she can solve all the puzzles without any real research at her fingertips because she just knows everything like which is great but it doesn't like you have no back it's not that are except their dad's dead and he was smart yeah and he he told her she can be anything she wants to be so like okay the movie takes place in 1994 as well which that that's a there's a lot of nostalgia bait in this movie because like bumblebee only speaks in movie quotes that he's recorded at a drive-in theater so you're you're kind of getting that endorphin high from or dopamine hit from like, I recognize that. I recognize that. And then Mirage, who is this movie's bumblebee makes a lot of references and it has like high energy and like he, he tiptoes that line of being annoying. I, I did feel like 
like they were trying to make Mirage into the new Bumblebee. But like <laughs> Mirage, I think aesthetically was pretty cool. I, I don't know if I really dig the Pete Davidson voice and the, the energy he brought. Uh, I know it's meant to appeal more to kids who are going to be buying the action figures and everything. Yeah. Merchandising. But I, I, I mean, you easily fix the, the idea of making someone the new Bumblebee by just giving Bumblebee his voice back. Bring back Dylan O'Brien from Bumblebee to be the voice of Bumblebee. Like Mirage can be a side character, but the problem with a lot of these Transformers movies is they give so much time to Optimus Prime and the human characters that basically the sidekick Autobot that works alongside the human is the only one that gets to have any kind of personality. Everyone else basically just gets to have a thing and that's their personality. Like RC is basically the pink ranger in this movie. She's doing a lot of acrobats. She's, she's cool, but she doesn't really do anything. She's not really a character. Well, first of all, I think you're coming down real hard on the pink ranger. (laughs) Well, I mean the way she moves and the way she looks like she, she looks like the pink ranger. When I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, she looks really cool. Like I think out of all of them, she might be my favorite in the sense that like the way she moves is a lot smoother and less kind of like clunky yes. than everybody else. And She's much more acrobatic. She seemed like a, a ninja. I, you gotta love a ninja when they were all fighting. I was like, man, she's gonna be dead in like, like three seconds. <laughs> the whole movie. I was like, yep, this is, this is when something comes along and just rips her in half. Yeah. She's very dainty, uh, being a, a motorcycle transformer which they they kind of break their own continuity we'll, we'll get into a bigger continuity error when we get into spoilers um but when they were doing the break-in at the museum do you know what the rule is for the these like live action transformers movies no basically the only thing they can do they can transform into is anything that has the same size and mass as they do so optimus prime is huge he can be a truck he can be a tank if he really wants to yeah and they broke that with mirage Mirage is the size of a Porsche. Yeah. But then when they break into the museum, he's a dump truck yeah. or not a dump truck. He's a garbage, a truck. garbage truck. Yeah. I, I noticed that too. And I was like, if they could all get bigger then why don't they, I just assumed he was, yeah, he exactly. was like hollow was my only thought. Like, I don't know. He's, it could be that he was, he could have been all front and Mirage the back. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving them a little too much credit in that sense, I think, but uh, that that's one of the two really big things that bothered me is that that breaks their continuity and the fact that they can only become something that has the same like size and d- mass as they do. Mm-hmm. Before we move into spoilers, did you catch the one F bomb of the movie? Oh man, no, it didn't. It- so it's a silent one, which is why I wanted to ask. It's when uh, RC they're doing the highway chase scene in Peru. Okay. And RC gets that bomb shot at her. And she, you see her, she goes, oh, fuck, oh, but it's in slow yeah. motion and silent. Yeah. If you can read the lips, you can see she's going, oh, fuck. I, I am uh, notoriously bad at, at lip reading. My wife yells at me about it all the time because she'll be like mouth, mouthing <laughs> things at me. And I'm like, we've been married. I'll, I'll just say out loud. We've been married 14 years. You know, I can't read lips. What are you saying to me? And she's like, I, I'm trying to say something quietly so that everybody doesn't hear. And I'm like, I, I can't. What? It's a whole thing. Pull out your phone and yeah. be like, text me. Yeah, just text me. <laughs> so before we move into spoilers, let's give our ratings. Uh, the Talking Smack rating, uh, as you may or may not know, is must see or pass. 
with these movies uh because there's there's no nuance there's no point in saying like oh it's a six and a half out of ten it's a three out of five whatever the internet's gonna be like oh three out of five why'd you hate this movie so it's a it's a must see or pass i had fun with this movie i think i'm gonna say pass only because i still don't know if the ending will actually amount to anything We'll get into the ending pretty much as soon as we get into spoilers, but uh, well, no, we're going to call that a super spoiler. <laughs> the super spoiler we'll get into later. Okay. But the, the overall movie I think is fun. And I think it, it's going to be one of those movies that's like, Oh, it's on USA. It's on TBS. Let's just put it on in the background. But it, I don't think it's a movie that you have to see like, Oh my gosh, Optimus primal. So I would say it's going to be a pass. I'd give it to uh, four bananas and a frowny face. That's how I would, I would rate this. No, I mean, I think it was, I think it was a pass. It, I mean, it didn't blow my mind. I think the Transformers movies have always been, I mean, like I said, you're paying to watch robots beat the crap out of each other for, for two to three hours. They're not, you're not going to see anything that's going to completely blow your brain. You might, there's going to be good scenes and stuff. I think this one was, better in the sense that the storyline was a little bit better and I was really excited to see the Maximals, but it wasn't mind bogglingly good. Yeah, it, it was, it was Saturday morning fun is the best way I can put it. And this, the, the plot of the movie is a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. It, it doesn't go any deeper than what it is. Like there's some minor character development, uh, but again, nothing is beyond what you would see in a Saturday morning cartoon, 30 minute arc. I, I would argue that that is all the Transformers movies. I don't think you get the warm fuzzies that this one did. Cause I think the moment uh, where they, they do the like together bit in the final fight. I think that is a little more Saturday morning cartoon. And like, you can be like, yeah, you get them guys. Yeah. Where the, the rest of them are just like high adrenaline action nonsense. That's fair. Final warning spoilers for transformers rise of the beasts. If you don't want to be spoiled on anything, which I, I don't know what else there is to spoil. The the final battle really wanted to be Endgame. Yeah, it tried. It tried. It tried to get in there. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I could. Yeah, that was. They tried to make it like really epic, but it, it was. I felt like the guys they they the the little robots they sent against them. I was like, it's <laughs> it's like throwing more putties at the Power Rangers. If <laughs> yep. If you're gonna if you're gonna you know, you mentioned the Pink Ranger earlier, and that's what it reminded me of like it's not really going to slow them down overly like, you know, they're going to, they're going to stop for a second just to rip it in half. And then they're going to move on to the next one. I didn't feel like they were in any real danger of losing to them, except for uh, the motorcycle girl whose name escapes me. And that RC RC and that bus guy, you know who I'm talking about? The oh, Danny Rojas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those two, what, I was like, what was his name? I don't, I don't know. I, those two, a uh, wheel Jack, uh, Wheeljack, who is voiced by Cristo Fernandez, better known as Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso. Yeah. So those two were more the size of the smaller robots that showed up to fight everybody as an army. And those two, that's when, that was when I was like, yeah, one of these two, because uh, Wheeljack is clearly not a warrior. I was like, one of these two is going to get smoked in this battle. Yeah, they they really played with the uh, the size of the Autobots in this one because like Bumblebee, I think is supposed to be like 12, 14 feet tall, maybe eighteen feet. 
Um, I have to look it up. I, I did. I did just pull up Optimus Prime. He's supposed to be 28 feet tall. Yeah, he looked huge. Looked a lot bigger than that. Yeah, the live action Optimus Prime is 28 feet tall. Uh, roughly, his animated counterpart, toy counterpart, is 19.6 feet tall. Um, but when they showed Mirage for the first time, I was like, "Damn, he's tall!" And so I, I thought he was going to be. I thought he was somewhere like 20, 22 feet. And then Optimus Prime shows. I'm like, God, he's tiny compared to Optimus. Yeah, well, everybody looks tiny compared to Optimus. I, I felt like they. Uh, I mean, they, they always make him look big, but they also throw in some some Autobots that are are bigger than him. I feel like in the movies that I've seen, and this one they did throw in the the jet guy, the jet Autobot that didn't for some reason didn't engage in the fight at all. The old jet. Yeah, and even though he got a. a a Botox injection of uh, Energon. Yeah. He, he got turned into a younger fighter plane again, and he still just, he, which that again, going to say that this, that final fight scene wanted to be end game. Bumblebee showing up after having died at the end of the first act was basically the portal scene. Yeah. That's exactly what that was. You see the, the back end of the plane open and Bumblebee drops out and it's basically him saying on your left cap. I, I was a little, uh, disappointed with the, the with the Bumblebee revival, I felt like it was it was such an obvious thing. If they'd done that to Mirage or somebody else, then he would have been like, "Oh, maybe they're not actually going to make it." But I felt like Bumblebee, and they, I just felt like the whole time it was like, you know, Bumblebee's coming back. Yeah, because he he's the most popular yeah. action figure. Like, no, nobody nobody suspects that Bumblebee is like permanently dead. They're never going to bring up Bumblebee again. You know. It's like, okay. Yeah, he's not jazz from the first movie. Yeah, it just gets <laughs> ripped in half, and then nobody ever mentions him again. Poor jazz. Wait, who? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's going, which one was jazz? <laughs> so you, you knew he was coming back. I just felt like it was like a cheap, to me, it was like a cheap like attempt to grab grab you by the feels. And I was like, they can't, they can't kill Bumblebee. He's either going to wake up or something's going to happen. They're going to bring him back. Yeah, it was just a way to get him out of the movie because Mirage needs to be the new Bumblebee. So so let's get into the story here about with our, our main antagonist, which like they, they've been hyping up Unicron for this movie, but it's really Scourge who is the main antagonist. Like Unicron is just his goal. He wants to bring Unicron in to devour every world and every reality and every timeline. So the, the movie opens with a not as good as the Bumblebee opening where the Maximals are fighting off Scourge, who is super OP and beating up Worf. And uh, beating up who? He beating up Worf. Worf. From Star Trek? You mean he's beating up Worf? The Klingon dude? Yeah, no, I know who Worf is. You don't know that? You don't know that trope? No. So there's a, it's a trope that started with Star Trek, where if you want to show you how impo- show the audience how imposing an antagonist, a villain is you have him beat up the strongest guy in the room. Okay. So it's kind of like uh Terminator two, the T 1000 shows up and the Arnold's T 800 can't do anything to him. Yeah. He has to figure out a different way to beat him up. So this is that scene. Scourge is doing a beat up wharf kind of moment where he's taking out uh, Optimus primal's dad and he's not even flinching. He's just like, Oh, you're, you're small and I'm huge and no problem at all. But what he's after is this space-time multi-dimensional key that allows them to travel through space and time 
dimensions, whatever. It creates portals, essentially, is what it does. Yeah, through through space time. So, uh, he, he, Omicron Unicron wants it to be able to just devour planets whenever he wants, and he uses Scourge as his Silver Surfer to kind of be his uh, ambassador to be like, hey, either join me or die. I I can't believe you called him Silver Surfer because every time they showed him last night, I was like, this reminds me so much of that terrible Fantastic Four movie. To Rise of the Silver Surfer <laughs> with Galactus. That's exactly what he he reminds me of is Gal- like Galactus. Well, I mean, at least they, at least Unicron looked like Unicron. It wasn't just a big cloud of nothing that yeah. devoured planets. Yeah, exactly. Primal's dad leaves the key to Optimus Primal. They launch to prehistoric Earth and hide there. And this is where shit gets confusing. And they probably the writers probably just went, don't think about it. Yeah. We have no solution for this, so just don't think about it. It's implied they go to the past because Prime Optimus Primal is named after the legendary leader of the Autobots, Optimus Prime. But Prime exists in the future from where Maximals land on Earth. And when Primal introduces himself to Optimus Prime, he's like, I am your future and your past. Which is su- such a confusing way to put that. <laughs> like I, I understand what they're going for and it makes sense until scourge appears and scourge is scourge that they knew from what we assume is the future, but how the hell did he get there? And how, how, like if it was a past scourge, he wouldn't know them. And also he wouldn't be a thrall of uh unicron. So like there, there's a huge plot hole here where like, all the writers needed to do was have Scourge jump in the portal and basically just get thrown out at some point. He didn't go with them all the way to Earth. Yeah, it was. I, I found that very confusing. That was during the whole movie. I kept going. So are wait, are the Maximals descended from the Autobots or are the Autobots descended from the Maximals? Like the way the way they did a bunch of that was so confusing to me. I was like, I feel like all the writers just needed to come together and be like, okay, here's how we're going to write this. Because I feel like it was a bunch of different people had different ideas for the script and they all just threw it in and they're like, well, we'll just see what sticks. And they went with nothing. Yeah, they're, they're like, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut out the parts that are confu- that, you know, go against whatever. It's a weird time travel thing. Cause time travel is always hard to really kind of lock in once you start nitpicking it. But like, this isn't even nitpicking into the time travel. It's like the second question you ask. I mean, I love time travel. Doctor Who, one of my favorite shows. I love the traveling time, space, you know, whatever. But if you're going to do that, you need to be very specific about how things are laying out, you know, in in the timeline of the main characters. Yeah. Or you just have Scourge say, we found a black hole and it sent us here. Yeah. Like you, you just need to bullshit something, but they don't even do take the time to do that. They're just like, Oh, scourge is here. The, the beacon of one half of the, the key is lit and he, he knows we're here. How? Yeah. How, how did he get here? Like my question has he been here? The whole time? That's what's, what's happening is very, was, everything else in this movie is pretty straightforward, but that one thing just, it, it makes no sense and they don't bother explaining it. And it's been driving me nuts for 24 hours now. Yeah, I I uh I actually googled it to try to try to work my way through the timeline thing and that sort of helped, but I also was like uh, this morning I woke up and I'm like what the f- who 
who's from where? How did that? But Starscream came from the. But how did he exist here? And then yeah, I, I Wikipedia'd it. <laughs> and it, it just it, I'm sure Wikipedia is still trying to some fanboy is trying to make sure it, it fits and it, it just does not. No, it, there's I mean, essentially what the answer was is that there is no answer. You, you make the choice to, to just ignore this huge <laughs> gaping plot hole. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there is there anything else really in the movie besides like this introduction to the storyline and plot this plot hole? Um, I mean, we, we've got Noah, we've got Elena who go on this mission because the Autobots can't fit into the places they need to fit to get the other half of the key. And then the, the Maximals are there. Just, just, just there. Like Air Razor, who surprisingly is, is voiced by Michelle Yeoh. That, like I, I love that. Yeah. I, I think that's super cool. I, I did. I knew her voice sounded familiar, but I, I couldn't pick it out because of like the modulation and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's really cool that she was like, yeah, I'll do a Transformers movie. Why not? I've got an Oscar. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've reached the top. I don't, I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's fine. <laughs> um, so where do you think Optimus Prime is in this movie? Because, uh, the Michael Bay movies, he just gets more and more sadistic and he's just like angry all the time. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you where he wasn't quite at that point in this movie. No, but there were certain moments where he was pretty psychotic. Yeah. He was a bit of a dick. I'd say, uh, I mean, I, I feel like in the first movie he would have just destroyed the, uh, the, the key. Cause he actually cared about humanity. And this one, it was obvious that that hadn't, that turning point hadn't occurred with him yet because I, I feel like he really didn't, care about people was the was what i kept getting from him yeah and the first like in the 2007 movie he's willing to take the all spark and destroy it which would also kill him um in this movie he's pretty much just obsessed with finding the space-time key so they can try and get back to cybertron because apparently they've been stuck on cybertron since the events of bumblebee and they've just been hanging out doing nothing except for Bumblebee and Mirage who have been watching movies. Yes, essentially the Maximals for being such a big part of this. You get a little bit of Optimus Primal, but he's really just there to be a moral compass for Optimus Prime. Did, did, did you ever watch uh, beast wars when you were a kid? I saw a few episodes every now and then, but I, nothing ever stuck. I never, uh, I never really dove into it. I, I loved that show. Like I was, I was seriously hooked on it. I saw every episode multiple times and I was excited about the beast wars about the maximals. And I feel like they didn't get as much screen time as I would have expected based on like, this is the rise of the beasts, but you're only going to see him like the last half hour, like the first 10 minutes. And then the last half hour. Yeah. We, we get a decent amount of time with air razor until again, spoilers, she dies. And then Primal kind of takes over her role as being the exposition ma- master and kind of moral compass. And then I couldn't even tell you the names of the other ones. Um, I've got IMDb pulled up here. You've got Cheetor, which Tangai Krasia is the name, the voice for 
Cheetor, but I couldn't tell you that they had a line. Uh, then there's Rhinox, who I know bellows as a rhino once, but yeah. uh, David Sobolov is the voice for Rhinox. I can't, I don't even see any other Maximals listed as like a voice actor well, in here. Those were the, the three main ones, or the four main ones. And, and I think that's part of where the end fight really felt kind of weird to me too, because they're they're going for like this end game feel where they even try to pull off the Avengers Assemble moment where uh, you have Primal say Maximals and then Optimus Prime follows up with that saying Autobots and then they together say roll out, which isn't really applicable to the Maximals at all. <laughs> I, I thought that you. was weird. I was like, why did he say roll out? Because none of them have wheels. Because he's a fanboy of Optimus Prime and he knows that's his catchphrase. I, yeah. Uh, so like if Captain America walked up to you, you wouldn't be like, can we, can we, can we say Avengers assemble? I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I was disappointed because in Beast Wars, the show from when we were younger, uh, Rhinox had these badass twin machine guns that he used all the time. So when he transformed, I was like, okay, he is about to like mess some shit up here. Like this is going to be, this is going to be a mess. There's going to be robot pieces flying everywhere, but he just essentially had a hammer and, and Cheetor just had a, had a spear. I was like, I was like, okay. Oh, that's right. If you guys are evolved from Autobots, shouldn't you have guns? How does this? Where are your guns? Why are you just using? But they lived a tranquil life on a forest planet, which means they didn't. Have, they only had primitive weapons of spears and sharp objects. They are advanced robots. All right, they should have some sorts of some sort of firearms. I I just I I, was, <laughs> I don't disagree. I was I was just disappointed about the Rhinox thing. I when I didn't see him go go crazy with those twin machine guns, I was I I did feel let down. The fact that there's only like seven Autobots and Maximals combined. Yeah. Really kind of took away from like how big of a moment they were really trying to make this final fight. Cause again, they're, they're trying even the color palette of like the, the battlefield is like the same as Avengers Endgame. You, you get the faceless army and it's still just like, I, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they did a, a couple of good things in there with like uh, Elena trying to, diffuse the bomb without it going off before Unicron comes through. But overall, like I was really kind of with the way it was ramping up. I was really curious if they were actually going to kill Optimus prime. I did like that. Noah came in and saved him in his super suit, which when we get into super spoilers, uh, I have to talk about the super suit too, but yeah, there's this underlying theme where Optimus is kind of, lost sight of what the goal of the Autobots is, which is to to kind <clears throat> to kind of unite all sentient species to the point where they all work together. Cause they know they can never truly defeat evil. There will always be some kind of evil out there. But as long as good unites that under a common cause to defeat evil, things will work out. And Optimus is about to sacrifice himself for this bomb. And then Noah shows up in the super suit and holds him back, which <laughs> that, that made no sense. But like, I'm, no. I'm, I'm bought into the moment. I'm fine with it. The fact that tiny little human man in a super suit can keep Optimus prime from flying away into essentially what is a black hole. You, you, like, okay. You know, what my problem with that scene was, okay. There's obviously this, the part where Noah is like 
an ant next to Optimus, yet somehow with the super suit, <laughs> he's got his axe and he's pulling him back. Okay, so that I had I had, I had a small problem with. I, I was suspending it because it was like he, you know, the feet. It was a, it was the it was the warm fuzzy moment. Yeah, the feet did the like the robot feet like did this grippy thing on the ground, and I'm like, who knows how much strength that's giving him? Okay, whatever. I'm I'm gonna allow that in my in my brain because who knows? You know that let's let's say that there's enough strength in that thing to pull Optimus in. Fine. My problem is is Optimus is going, let me go, let me go. And and Noah's holding on to his axe on one end, and Optimus is holding on to the axe on the other end. If Optimus was really that concerned about him, he could have just let go of the axe. He didn't have to keep saying, let me go. He could have just let go himself, and that would have been it. it he needs to hold on to the axe, man. He, <laughs> That's his collector's item. I was just like... I was like, what does he even let go? Like you're holding on to it. You let go. <laughs> you're holding on to, you can let yeah. go. It was, why does he have to be the one to let go? You're the one trying to make the sacrifice. Yeah. Like you let go. He's like, Oh, I've made a terrible mistake, but I can't, I can't let everybody know. Like, Oh, you have to let me go. Yeah. I was like, it's not attached <laughs> to you, dude. You're, you've got your fingers wrapped in a death grip on it. You could just, you just relax your pinky and you're going flying into the abyss. Yeah, and he like loses his grip a little bit too. Like he is just holding on to the the bottom end of that that axe handle. That's what drew my attention to it because he slipped back like an inch or two, and I'm like, and he's going, "You need to let me go, Noah." And I'm like, "Bro, you're the one holding on to him. Essentially, <laughs> if you let him go, he's got no choice but to leave." I I hated the super suit. Just FYI, hated it. <laughs> I thought it was dumb. I thought it was dumb and it reminded me of something, but again, that's, yeah, that's in super spoiler territory here, but I just went on record that I, I really hated the super suit. Just, yeah, it was, I'm, uh, I'm sure a lot of people at, at the, at that moment were like, Oh, it's like Iron Man. He's got an Iron Man suit now. No, it, it's something worse. And we'll get into it here in a second. I, th- I think the biggest disappointment for me in this movie though, is the fact that Unicron did not, turn into its like robot humanoid form yeah i mean does it have a robot humanoid form yeah yeah he's got like big like goldar kind of wings um they're not like uh there's no membrane to them he he still looks pretty awesome and they they teased it because you see the face inside his sphere form i i really wish they would have at least teased it or something like show him start to transform as he's coming into earth's atmosphere um, but we we never really got that, and I, I think that was a disappointment, um, just because it, it's such a cool aesthetic. That why wouldn't you take that opportunity, especially when you're probably going to make a Unicron action figure anyway? It's just going to be a basketball with a face painted on it. It's it's going to be the, it's going to be the volleyball from uh, that Tom Hanks movie, Wilson. <laughs> Castaway. Castaway. <laughs> all right john do you think we should get into super spoilers i think we should I, it has to be okay it has to be done it, yeah <laughs> so the movie wraps up with noah coming home to his sickly brother and his mom that's kind of where the movie ends and from what i understand the next scene we get was actually supposed to be a post credit scene but they moved it up because they knew no one was going to stick around for a post credit scene except us except us because we sat through the rest of the credits just in case we were the only ones in the theater just 
just left out in the cold. Their people, the, the poor, poor <laughs> workers, were waiting at the stairs, like staring at us, like, "What? What are you guys? What are you guys doing? What's 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 happening here?" And yeah, we just we just watched like twenty minutes of credits. Noah goes in for a job interview. He's trying, still trying to find a job to help pay for the family bills so his brother can get his leukemia treatment. And he goes in for an interview with this sickly looking security HR man uh, played by Michael Kelly. Uh, I'm giving you his name because I need you to know how sickly this man looks like he's perfectly healthy, but he, his face is just so gaunt. He always looks like he's sick. He does. And I don't know if that's an intentional casting choice or what, but with what's revealed here, he is not fit for it. I don't think he he does not look the part. This man is an administrator somewhere in that building. (laughs) Yeah. He's, um, his name is Agent Burke. Throughout this scene, it's very much like, oh, this is an Avengers initiative thing. Like they're, they're setting up the John Turturro FBI CIA thing from the 2007 movie. And he's telling Noah all these things that, oh, your brother's going to be taken care of. He's going to receive the best care in the world free of charge because you helped save the world. We know all about your giant friends and you're, we would love to bring them into the fold and talk about this. And it's like, okay, yeah, John Turturro is going to become obsessed with these guys. And John Turturro is going to get pissed on by Bumblebee. It's going to be hilarious. He hands him a card. Uh, Agent Burke hands Noah a card. He opens a fake wall and you just see this enormous facility with like a spaceship in the bottom left corner. And then just like, it's kind of an empty big warehouse. And then Noah looks at the business card, sees Agent Burke flips it over and john what is on the back side of that business card gi joe gi joe (laughs) snake eyes bombed let's just tie it into transformers i mean there's no redemption for those movies i don't care how many movies i'm into (laughs) there's no redemption i'm sorry they were terrible i was actually if you need to go if you haven't listened to it listener and john Antonio from the Cult Worthy podcast and I did a, uh, a a rewatch of Snake Eyes. It's not good, but there are moments where it's like you can see a good movie here. Like if they had done something differently, you could find a good movie in there. I'm not even picky. If if it's just a fun movie, I'm going to enjoy it. Fun movies that where they're actually trying to make it a good movie, I feel like then you just wind up with a terrible movie. It's it's going to be fun. It can be fun, it can be good, or it can be terrible. Those are the three options, I think. Yeah, and I, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean is such a weird movie in the sense that it has no right to be as good as it is. No. It's based on a Disney ride, and it's a, a water movie, oh. <laughs> a sailing movie, yeah. which those are like usually cursed anyway. And yet Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl is amazingly fun and good. And... I I think this movie with this G.I. Joe tie-in, I think it this is extraordinarily forced. This is forced beyond belief. Oh yes, very much so. But but it's forced in a tight, like two-minute window. It's not like Amazing Spider-Man 2, where you have all of these little scenes that are tied into trying to create a spinoff where you have black cat uh, Felicia Hardy 
uh, working as an intern and just finding like all these files. And then the end of the movie, you have like, Oh, look at all these spinoffs we can do. We can do sinister six. We can set up Dr. Octopus as another bad guy. We can do this. We can do that. It, this is just a really tight two minutes where they're like, Bree, they're going to just have a new GI Joe movie. That's also going to be set in the transformers universe. And eventually they will merge or we're setting up a team up right away. And we're going to have G.I. Joe's and Transformers in the same movie, which, you know, you want. No, I don't. I'm OK with it. Not happening. <laughs> so that's the super spoiler. Um, going back to our promo, I was talking with Caesar from No. 15 before I went and saw the movie. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard the ending is a, a game changer. Like it, it, it's going to do something fantastic for this. Like he was really hoping it was setting up Beast Wars, which Caesar, if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're listening to this, I'm sorry to let you know it's not setting up Beast Wars. No. It's it's setting up crossovers and a shared universe. Uh, you know what was weird about the that they didn't really resolve the Maximals at all. Like they all just walked off together. Yeah, I mean that that's what they did with the uh, the Dinobots in the fourth movie. Oh man! I, I, Optimus Prime threatens to kill the Dinobots, and then they they team up, and Optimus is like good dog and lets them run off into the into the forest oh, you ruined it for me sorry for a movie you're never gonna watch because it's like two hours and 40 minutes Ooh. of mark Wahlberg and just yelling like i'm gonna be a scientist i'm gonna be a scientist marky mark have you have you seen you haven't seen the fourth one no at all i was actually thinking so <laughs> i was actually thinking this is because i'm a glutton for punishment uh i was like <laughs> i should go back and watch all the movies just to get myself caught up because I did sort of enjoy this movie. I don't know if I want to spoil it for you then. There, there's there's such a Michael Bay thing in the fourth one. I, like, I'm sure everything's <laughs> just exploding. Oh, man. You know how he like he, he objectifies women, so... Yeah, that's why him and Megan Fox didn't get along. Yeah. So, in the fourth movie, there's a 17-year-old girl, played by like a 25-year-old, okay. who is dating... In the movie, someone who's like 22, 23, maybe 25, like they, they've been dating for like a year or two. And even when they started dating, the guy was not a minor. Okay. And so Mark, Mark, Wal- the, the girl is Mark Wahlberg's daughter and Mark Wahlberg's like, dude, that's statutory. Like you can't be dating my daughter. Yeah. And the dude from his wallet produces a laminated card about the Romeo and Juliet clause and statutory rape cases which like is something to do with like state boundaries and everything. And like, Oh, well in this state it's legal. And I live in this state and she lives in this state. So Romeo and Juliet clause. And it's like, Michael Bay clearly just like knew this law. And he's like, I really want to put this in there because I want to stand in for me to be dating this girl. So make it happen. Uh, First of all, like, I mean, as a father, to to a to a young young lady if anybody ever did that to me they'd never find his body first of all let's just let's just say that like that is <laughs> the most like I, I i don't know like even in a movie who thought that would be a, a good idea michael bay clearly thought it was Ma- a good idea he's like oh that's interesting michael get your shit together come on <laughs> that's too much bayhem oh all right well i i think we should wrap it up there john um Thanks so much for, for being on the, the episode today and sitting through this movie with me. I, I, I think it's fun. I don't know that I would say I recommend it. 
But if you're like, I think I'll go see it. I wouldn't stop you. No. I think it's it's fine. It's fun. If you just want robots beating each other up, it's it's what you get. That's and that's what I've been telling people. Like I said, somebody somebody asked me what they what I thought of it. I'm like, I paid to see robots beat the shit out of each other. That's exactly what I got. So, and it was you know, I, I like the Beast Wars. The Beast Wars guys showing up. I was I was I didn't expect them to actually be the ones from Beast Wars. So when it was, I was pretty excited. Although Air Razor's a guy in the in the in the Beast Wars, so eh, you need representation. Why not put Michelle Yeoh in the the wise old Falcon role? Oh, nope, all, all guys. That's that's <laughs> so like a pirate ship. You can't can't have girls on there. It's it's not safe. <laughs> all right. Well, John, thank you again so much for being here. Anytime. We're definitely going to be having you back. Everyone listening, next week is our one hundredth episode. We will be doing. Talking Smackdowns Volume Four. Uh, we have a, a little twist into it, which I'm not going to spoil yet. That'll be for next week. We we have a poll that, uh, as you're listening to this, may still be active. It should end early Wednesday. But if you're uh, like one of our UK listeners, like Dan from Casting Views, you might still have time to vote. And uh, we we want your your input on these Talking Smackdowns that we have coming up. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's taking the time to listen and. Getting to 100 episodes is a huge accomplishment That's huge. Uh, considering we took like we, we took a three year hiatus while I went to school and came back and we've not stopped producing episodes for 88 weeks now, uh, which is insane to think about. But here we are a year and a half later, and I am so appreciative of everyone that has taken the time to listen to the podcast. I'm going to be sappy here and say I, I'm so appreciative of my wife, Ricky, for letting me do this. Uh, it's a huge outlet for me and, uh, I just, I can't appreciate her enough. John, again, for the third time, thank you for being here. Listen, I also appreciate you having me on. I, uh, my podcast has ended. So this is, I love podcasting. So this is great for me anytime. Seriously. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be having you back. Um, maybe next time have your computer updated before we start. (laughs) all right well we're going to start working our way out of here so everyone as you heard earlier you can email us your thoughts opinions on whatever topic we're covering or if if you have something you want us to cover you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at josh underscore scar you can also follow the podcast on twitter at talking smackpod we're also on discord hive social post news facebook all those social medias, please join our discord, join the conversation. Thank you to Leo Allen for musical themes, Beppo for our avatars, retro studios for our Ricky avatar. Please like subscribe, rate review on your podcatcher of choice. And most of all, thank you so much for listening to 99 weeks of this nonsense. Take care, everyone. Bye. Watch star Trek. Watch Star Trek. Uh, I love Star Trek. I, I knew who Worf was. I thought there's a guy in the movie named Worf that I hadn't. Oh no, you you oh. you hadn't heard that trope? No, Come on, man. I'm, I I'm sorry. Are we still recording this? Yeah. Oh, I feel like I. Sh- I <laughs> no, I. Oh, whatever. I I watched. <laughs> I've watched basically all the Star Trek that there is. All the old Star Trek. The new stuff I'm I'm catching up on. I still haven't finished the card season.
I just started watching Strange New Worlds, and I've been watching Lower Decks. I heard that's fun. I'm enjoying them. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!